You're listening to 2, 5, and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. Decide that the things that I tried were in my life just to get high on. When I sit alone, come get a little known, but I need more than myself this time. Step from the road to the sea to the sky, and I do believe that we rely on. When I lay it on, come get to play it on all my life to sacrifice. Hey, yo, listen what I say. Oh. Hello, everybody, and welcome. So 95, 2, 5, and 10. We got a good one on our hands. Benny, I know I had said that I believe that uh, Mike Sullivan was going to be that first coach fired in the uh, Eastern Division, whatever we want to call it. But it actually wasn't him. It was the GM who had resigned this week in uh, Jim Rutherford. What up, Benny? Yeah, surprise move. Everybody was stunned by that. Um, but just kicking off the show things so well, especially if you're not Tony D'Angelo's face in the Ranger locker room. Uh, but we'll get into that later. Uh, but yeah, Rutherford uh, resigned abruptly as GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, even Mario Lemieux was caught off guard. Like, he had no idea this was going to go down. And initially, Rutherford was towing the corporate line, saying, oh, it's personal reasons, but it's not a retirement. Like, I'm not retiring, I'm just resigning. Uh, and then you shared with me, like, update on that where uh, I was. Basically, he was shut down on trying to run a team as he saw fit. Correct. Yeah, the rumor out of it afterwards was that uh, I don't think that Mr. Rutherford wants the look of the Penguins as the current look of the Chicago Blackhawks and a complete rebuild. Mm -hmm. So uh, what is said was that he had a trade already lined up for Chris Letang to get out of Pittsburgh. And when he gave that to the ownership group, they completely shot that down, and they said there are three players here who are going to retire Penguins, and they are Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Chris Letang. And they instantly shot down his deal, and they said the next day the resignation came in. As to how I feel about that, I mean, if I am the GM of your team, I believe that I have full control over the team. I can fire a coach. I can fire an assistant coach. I can trade players. Um, if you're looking to be notified or in the loop, I, I like I'm more than willing to do that for you. But I make the decisions. And as for you, don't think I should or shouldn't get rid of a player? Okay, I, I get that, but I don't think he's wrong here. Like Chris Letang no. is on the downslope. Like he like he's on the downside of things. He's definitely getting older. Yeah, he's getting he's a little bit slower. Season. Yeah, like, and for Jim Rutherford to move on, like, God forbid he's trying to implement something and not be in as big of a decline as other teams are, like, that doesn't sound crazy to me. He's not trade Sidney Crosby, which completely alters this franchise. He's trading a very good defenseman, but we also don't know what that return was going to bring them. Like, who knows who he was dealing with? Maybe they're going to get some very high-end prospects to kind of replenish that pool. So as for the management team, the ownership coming down and x it, I mean, 
looking at, I guess, a question for you I have is, when Mario Lemieux is one of those owners, do you not question it as much, or is at the same time you're still pissed off? Yeah, I to be honest, I would be shocked if a guy like Lemieux was a member of the executive team who poo-pooed that uh, trade proposal in that conversation, because obviously he's been in the league, he's a player, he knows that side of it. I would be shocked if it was Mario saying, we can't trade Chris fucking Latang. Like, listen, Latang's had a good career, but he's injury prone, even when he was in his prime. We're paying him seven and a quarter prorated this year, but next year he's on a book for seven and a quarter. Then he's unrestricted in his age 35 year. This is the time when you sell high. He's been relatively healthy the last year, year and a half. So are you going to, what's his next, basically, what I'm, the point I'm trying to get at is, What's his next deal going to look like if he knows he's retiring a penguin? All the leverage is now with him saying, well, if you don't pay me nine mil, I'm leaving. Well, I was going to say, once now he goes he UFA. Door, yeah, he walks out the door. You have nothing in return now because you basically shot yourself in a foot of negotiations. How good would that look, though, for Rutherford, though, on the other end of shit? <laughs> like, I tried telling you people, but you don't want to listen. Um. I did read uh, that Brian Burke book, and fuck, it was good. But he said he said this in every interview, just so the owners knew he was clear. I'm driving this car. There are two hands on the steering wheel. They're both mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. I agree with that. Like, obviously, if you're going to be adding either through free agency or trade a massive financial commitment to a player. You need to go to ownership and say, like, are we good with this? I'm going to try and trade a franchise icon. Like, Gorton can't just get rid of Lundqvist on his own, as an example. So is Chris Letang a franchise changer? No. No, he's a good player. He's on some Stanley Cup teams. That's it. Like, if I know this is cliche. If Wayne Gretzky can get traded, Chris Letang can get traded. And if I'm the GM, like, I, I should be allowed to make trades as long as there's no financial concerns that I see fit. So for him to resign, I don't blame him at all. And Rutherford, yeah, he's made some pretty... He's like the Dave Dombrowski of hockey. Like, you bring him in because you are you don't care about your prospect pool. You don't care about future draft picks. You're bringing him in to try and win a cup. He's and had some every hit, year, uh, he's, he, some, he, he's done no, it. No, no, every year he, he's attempted to do it. He's always brought in yeah. talent. He's always trying to make the roster better. So it's like you can't fault the guy for doing his job, but now there's a player that you deem is untouchable, so now he's in the doghouse? Like, that's crazy. Yeah, and turning it on to the Latang side of it, he has a 12-team no-trade list. Do you think he already had run to Latang and asked for his permission before going to ownership, or is Latang the last step? You get the approval from ownership, and then you go to the player. I think if you already have the teams, like for, from what I read, it looked like the deal was already done. He, he had already m- made the call. The thing was set up. And so he said, all right, let me just go to the owners, make sure I get the okay. And that's when the wheels came off. So if I'm him, I do it the same way. I, I'm Unless you have a situation where the player and or the agent has come to you and has asked for a trade, I personally would not want to be in murky waters in a sense of, hey, by the way, I'm putting you out on the market. Just because, mm. I mean, now it's, there's no way he's going to block that shot now. 
there's no way he, he's going to be given the effort because on the other end, he's thinking, well, fuck you. This guy wants to trade me. But at the same time, I do feel that hockey guys are built a different way in a sense that, hey, if you don't want me on your team, trade me. So I, I think it, it all depends on the player. But no, I would, as long as there was no demand from the player or the agent, I would find a deal that I'd sought fit. I would talk to management about it. And then I would let the player know when he got traded. Exactly. And it's not a full no trade clause. So I'm pretty sure Rutherford was just trading him to a team that he can block. So that's why he went to ownership. But I think it's crazy. Like, yes, you have guys that are part of championship teams and they play a big role and fans love them but there's a reason why a team like the Bruins has had been able to be Stanley Cup contenders for as long as they were because they take for the most part emotion out of it like they have their core they set their the uh, uh, environment for how the organization is going to be run how the room is going to be run and then they move on when they need to and for a team like Pittsburgh who's getting old their window is closing if it's not closed already. They'll let just the emotion of, well, Latang was helped us win a cup a few years ago. He's going to be tired with us like his asinine. I mean, more power to him. They're in my division long term. So if you want to ruin yourselves with the cap, go ahead. Hmm. And speaking of ruining, uh, there was some huge news this week out of the AHL. Uh, they're allegedly trying to start their season pretty soon, but. They, they still need to vote and or confirm on all that. Benny, what's the lowdown on all that? You had sent me the article, and if I'm the AHL players, I don't sign this fucking thing. Yeah, so they were working out the proposal for uh, just this season only, uh, kind of the parameters of salaries and things like that, and just quick bullet points. But under the proposal, AHL teams would pay all players on one-way AHL contracts a guaranteed 40% of their annual salary, regardless of how many games were played, uh, with a maximum payout of 48% if scheduled games were played. The season was proposed to start on February 5th, and they would be paid 48% of their salaries from the start of the season. This applies to both AHL contracts and players on NHL two-way contracts. If games were played, no players to make less than $30,000 this season Season, this that means that any player making sixty two thousand five hundred, which I believe is the AHL minimum, right? If you're on a AHL yes. deal, mm-hmm. uh, would only be paid thirty thousand dollars. While make any player making more than a sixty two thousand five hundred would be paid only forty eight percent of their salary. Um, if the season is canceled because of COVID nineteen, teams are only obligated to pay forty percent to players, and this would also extend to CBA until twenty twenty five, an additional year. So they were supposed to vote on it last week. I haven't heard any news on it. I know it's the AHL, but it's still like kind of big for the NHL and how things are going to function for prospects and kind of like unofficial taxi squads this year. But like you already said, no way you would sign that. There's not a chance. Um, in that article, there was one of the guys here. Here it is that if you're in California, for example, they hit you about 50% for taxes. So you're down to 15,000 over four months. He goes, and you're trying to find rent in California in a one bedroom place on a short term lease for less than 3000. He goes, that's not even any, including any other expenses I'd regularly incur. Like like these guys wouldn't even be able to afford rent. And 
I, I don't say it as, as being a jerk. I know other people aren't going to be making 62.5, but this is their full-time job is to be professional hockey players. Granted, you know, you could say, well, if you don't want it, I'll find someone on the coast that'll do it because, you know, it'll be a better lifestyle for them. But one of the things is that at least on the coast, they provide you housing. They're, they're not providing you housing in the A. And one of the things that I saw in this article of the pushback was, oh, well, you know, anytime when these guys usually sign their deals, they usually get dealt the signing bonus. So th- they should be able to, you know, incur these expenses, which I, I find it wild uh, from a guy who's being who's been in the AHL down in that jungle. I mean, listen, you only get when you get on the bus for a road game, 20 bucks. 20 bucks for a post-game meal they eat on the bus on the ride Have home. a good lunch. <laughs> yeah, like, and then for if there was a whole game where you were away and you had to be out for the day, it was 60 or 65 bucks for the day. I mean, you have a good lunch, you're already 20, you have at least a decent dinner, you're at 40. I mean, so breakfast is coming out of you, so hopefully you're at, you got the free continental breakfast. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't see how it is feasible i mean ju- just for these guys there's no way i would do it i i would not want to incur all those costs granted you know here we again where we play like the spoiled card of you're playing a game that you love so on and so forth but you also have bills to pay so i, I don't yeah. think that it's fair I, I don't think that that's fair they the nhl or these ahl teams would have to eat something on the other end to at least let these guys be able to live rent free Yeah, and like the article went on to say, it was about, this is only about prospects development. Like, and the guys that aren't top prospects or they're AHL guys, like career AHL guys, which is still an accomplishment, to be honest, they know this season isn't trying to be played for them. That's why their salary is so knocked down. It's not about having a season. It's about having these prospects be able to compete a little bit so evaluation can continue on so it's kind of like a clear divide during these negotiations between prospects and what the NHL teams want and you're just here because we need to fill the roster yeah just I understand the development part and the AHL part is crucial but like we played a vital role in developing players to make it to the NHL some of these guys go down there specifically just for one thing in particular that they need to perfect to become NHL players. And if these guys can't even get taken care of, I think they're almost better off being on an NHL taxi squad making what they would make at the AHL level, but it's the full contract. Uh, It makes life a little bit easier. You know, you talk about about timing in life, right? And no joke. So it just got to... Uh, push notification from the athletic. The Professional Hockey Players Association has agreed to the AHL's proposal regarding salary modification for the upcoming season and a CBA extension. So they agreed to it. Literally just got the push notification. I I think they're really going to yeah, regret there that. There has to be some unwritten thing going on there, man. Uh, the, I, I like would hope for them that it, there has to be, yes. 
I, I don't get it, but, you know, these guys just want to play. So it's better than uh, not having a season, not having any money, I guess. Well, I mean, they could just be they could just be here bitching on a podcast like us. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess that's kind of didn't breaking news. But the HL, so February 5th, so we're only a few days away from the season starting. There's going to be, I think, according to the article, there's going to be no Calder Cup awarded. It's going to be like no playoffs, I think. I think it's just going to be like a 48-game regular season or something. Just to keep them all occupied. Keep them occupied. Keep them. Keep the legs moving. Keep the prospects from uh, stagnating and get them in, hopefully, for a full year next year. <laughs> That's, all right. Life is good. <laughs> Um, and before we get into week in review, uh, this is also another notification from the Athletic. Um, Marco Rossi, a uh, top prospect for Minnesota Wild, will not be playing at all this season. He's actually on his way back to Austria now uh, because he hasn't been with the Wild since training camp basically started. And he finally admitted that it's because he's having extreme complications from COVID-19 that he contracted in November. I mean, obviously, they're not going to release whatever it is, but extreme complications. You've heard like wild things about this and what it can actually do to people's bodies, and uh, all the best to Marco Rossi. That's that sounds awful. <laughs> yes, they. So Billy Garen is saying that they're expecting him to be okay long term, but apparently he he's being told to not even uh, get on the ice at all because of, I guess. The uh, his inability to recover from that, like just skating, apparently is like just like ripping him up. So I'll say that's either chronic fatigue or it's really affecting his lungs. Which <laughs> yeah, th- that's not good. Or both. Yeah. So just a quick update on that. Um, all right, so we can review. I know I went off on my boy uh, David Quinn last week. I don't know if you want to kick this off this time or you want me to go. I will go because you guys are in way more hot water than my guys are. Um, (laughs) I believe last time we had recorded, we were on the 21st. So the Bruins ended up winning that game against Philadelphia, five to four in a shootout. We then played Philly again on that Saturday, beat them six to one. Then we played the Penguins both Tuesday and Thursday, the 26th and 28th, uh, winning a game in overtime, which was weird because we've only won in the shootout and then beating Pittsburgh four to one on the Thursday, Last night we played the Capitals, um, lost in overtime. Uh, I'll just go with the most recent game. I didn't get to see the whole game last night, but from what I saw, we pushed it to overtime. We were down 3-1, to one, and we were able to get two goals and tie it at three. And for me, I, I know some people take things different ways as, you know, you lost the game or anything else, but to be able to come back against a team like Washington, which has had our number for the past 10 years, I think it's crucial. And I think just a monumental step for us in the sense of we were playing against Big Z. We were able to come back. We were playing against Ovi. This team's kind of had our number. And just to kind of be in the same realm as them, just because, I mean, these four teams that make it to the playoffs, they're playing each other first before they do any sort of crossover or anything else. So, yeah, I think for us that that was a crucial uh, stepping point. 
as a nice hit by Z on Marchand, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I saw that. I started laughing. I was like, no, no love lost there. At least during sixty minutes of play. Um, one thing I have noticed is I was very skeptical about our D going into this year, but we've had injuries to Macrislick, and we've had to have uh, Connor Clifton has jumped into the lineup. Our D, which is surprising me, have been very good playing their offside just because with guys coming in, we've had Zaboro a little bit on the offside. We've had Lozon a little bit on the offside, just kind of shuffling lines. And as to how good these young guys have been able to respond to it, I'm I'm very optimistic. I, I guess I had to see it to believe it in a sense, but uh, they're handling it well. I'm hoping that it continues. Uh, the goaltending is where I said it would be. I said Tuca would come back lights out. That's That has been shown. Halak has been the normal backup for us. We're finally starting to get some secondary scoring, which is changing our outlook. It kills me to say it that Nick Ritchie is playing as good as he's been playing. He's still <laughs> playing good. He's still getting to the dirty areas. Had another goal last night, another tip in. I'm... Um, Assuming, because, you know, I, ca- I can't give Nick Ritchie any credit. I'm assuming that it's just a contract year, and, you know, he's just playing very well because of that. But he also just looks like he's finally skating, and it's not like a puck goes into one end and you see him going hard on a forecheck, and then you don't see him the rest of the shift because he can't make it back. So I think he's definitely worked on his <laughs> skating and endurance, and I-, I think for him it's paying off. Um. Craig Smith finally starting to blossom, which I figured was going to happen at some point. And I really like Trent Frederick. I think the kid plays a really strong game. He's in on the four check. He's kind of been up and down the lines with the injuries and the guys that have been in and out. And I feel like everywhere he's been slotted, he's played well. So, no, I I think our week was pretty good. We got, uh, let's see here, two, four, six, eight. Nine. So we got nine out of ten points. I'd say that's a good week. Yeah, sounds pretty standard for a Bruins season so far. Yeah, I mean, listen, pal, <laughs> I'm still on the fence here. You know, I wasn't uh, completely all bought in at the beginning of this year. Um, yeah, so switching over to the lovely New York Rangers, never a dull moment. Uh, the big news coming out today is Tony D'Angelo has been placed on waivers. Uh, if he goes unclaimed by any team, which I'm sure... The Rangers basically offered him for a bag of pucks around the league, and nobody wanted to take on his deal, so I doubt he gets claimed. If Tyler Johnson's not going to get claimed on waivers, Tony D'Angelo is not going to get claimed on waivers, in my opinion. So he'll clear, and then it's up to the Rangers what they want to do. They can just assign him to the AHL or the taxi squad, which removes his cap hit from um, our, our cap structure, opens up 4.8 mil, prorated, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Or... And I think this is more likely what's going to happen. They're going to uh, terminate his contract uh, for just cause, based on what happened. And basically just release him and not have to owe him a dime and also get out of salary uh, to cap it. So basically what happened here is in o- overtime last night against the Pittsburgh Penguins, D'Angelo was on the ice. He was on the ice with four out of the five Pittsburgh goals, but most of that lies at the feet of Brendan Smith, his defense partner. But he was on the ice. He had a miscommunication behind the net with uh, goaltender Alexander Alexander Georgiev, which resulted in a puck staying in the zone. And at that time, 
the Rangers were on the ice. Uh, it was Smith, D'Angelo, and Panarin, I believe. They were on the ice for almost a minute and a half. They were gassed. And eventually got on to Crosby's stick, and of course he buried the game winner. And after the game, in a tunnel leading to the Rangers locker room at the Garden, uh, D'Angelo got into an altercation, an argument with Georgiev. And the rumor is, and this is now being kind of reported by more reputable sources, that as they were arguing with each other, they got really heated, and Kreider stepped in the middle and basically threw down with D'Angelo and punched him. Um, and then everybody got separated. And the reason why is Georgiev is the lowest key fucking guy on his team. Like, everybody loves him in a room. He's a team favorite. He's quiet. He's always, he barely has a pulse, this dude. So for him to get into an argument with D'Angelo, you know that was instigated and escalated by D'Angelo. So that's why Kreider probably stepped in. Um, and Kreider can basically manhandle anybody on his fucking team. So that's what led to it. D'Angelo's had a couple run-ins with Quinn in the last two years in terms of maturity issues leading to either benchings during games or being healthy scratched. Obviously, everybody's aware of his history from his junior hockey days and his time with the Tampa Bay organization. Uh, so he's out the door. So now the Rangers are looking at having a third pair of the rotating left side of Jack Johnson and Brendan Smith still not getting a chance to see Libor Hayek in that spot. And on the right side, the first guy getting a crack at D'Angelo's roster spot is uh, Boteto. So another journeyman guy. My question, I guess, to you is, do you think he gets another shot in the league with the baggage that he has now at this point? I think he does. I think he's young enough that he can still get another shot. I just don't think it'll be someone as somewhere as appealing as New York and hockey market. Yeah. Um. I'd have to look at cap hits in other places. But He's I, not going to get money. He's going to get, what, like a one-year, one-and-a-half mil, shit like that now. Oh, oh no, I, I'm just saying, like, I just don't know with how crazy the cap is what or where people can fill in. But, I mean, I could definitely see him going to a place like Arizona and just kind of yeah. being an extra D guy there for him. I just... Uh, like, now it goes back to, is he just hot-blooded because... They said here there was also an act that he had while he was in the minor hockey, which got him suspended from the team as well. So it makes you wonder yeah. if he's just stupid or he just doesn't think. Like, it's just I think one it's or both. the other. Yeah. Because, you know his Twitter shit and social media. Like, he's a Republican and he's a Trump supporter, which, in my opinion, agree or disagree, whatever. As long as you're not being an asshole in the locker room, the guys in the room don't really give a shit. So, but on social media, he's just bringing undue attention on himself, making a Rangers organization look bad because he's talking shit to these random people on Twitter, getting into political debates. Like, dude, you're playing in the National Hockey League. Just leave it alone. Yeah. So I think it was just a breaking point with that. And I think that shows, like, when he first came here, nobody knew what to expect. Everybody knew his past. And then he tur- he worked hard. He turned himself into one of the best offenses of defenseman in the league last year, but he still couldn't get over the, the Twitter stuff. And now that it's like he can't help it. Like he's just hot headed and doesn't think he's just very um what is it? Like instinctual. He just he thinks it, he's saying it or he's acting on it. Like there's no restraint there. I feel like too when you have to announce that you're deactivating your social media account one of two things happen. Like, 
either you were saying things that were out of line and either your agent has called or now the team has called you or you are just focusing all of your spare time when you should be lifting when you should be recovering yeah that like all of your spare time is now being spent on this when it should be you know focusing on being a professional so maybe he's just young still and he just still needs to grow up maybe that's part of the problem they've been saying that for a few years now and he still everybody's saying he needs to grow up so maybe he's never going to grow up um and that's but yeah, so that's the big news coming out today out of rangerland Getting back to hockey, uh, the Rangers have blown several leads uh, over the course of last week. They've, I think they lead the league in losses by one goal. Uh, they're 2-4-2 two, and two in a year. Um, and besides my little rant, if you hear squeaking in the background, that's not me. It's uh, Kobe with one of her toys. Never squeaks all day long, and then she wants that toy right now. Hey, I mean, uh, the good news is, is that she's squeaking the toy and not eating the furniture, so we'll take it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I went on my rant about Quinn last week. Nothing's changed there. Now more, more and more, you're starting to see online and articles and on like Instagram with Ranger fans finally kind of turning against Quinn a little bit. And I'm like, hey, welcome to the fucking train. I'm the captain. My name's Ben. Yeah. Um, Get on. <laughs> but, like... Filipino is out indefinitely. He has an arm injury. He was playing really well. Strom has been playing like shit. Um, Jad hasn't been playing well, but I give him a. I'm going to give him another week pass because he was coming back from COVID during training camp, so he basically had no camp. So I'm going to give him another week to get into the swing of things. Um, other than that, we're not getting any good goaltending to start the year. It's not bad, but it's not good enough. And I think Ranger fans who took Lundqvist for granted for the last 15 years are starting to see like, oh, so this is what it's like to have average to slightly above average goaltending when you have a team that's not good on defense. Like there, there were a handful of games last week, this past week, where the Rangers had were getting outplayed, like getting their asses handed to them, and it was still a tie game, but they ended up losing by one goal. And that's a game that they used to win because Hank wouldn't give up that goal and we'd somehow find a way to get that win in regulation or OT. And that's just kind of the story of the 15 years of Hank is he he let us win games we had no business winning. Now, with the young guys in Shesterkin and Georgiev is we're winning games that we were going to win anyway. And that's a massive difference. So... I'm sure they'll be fine. They're both young guys. They're playing every other game, which I'm not a big fan of what Quinn's doing, where no matter what, Igor's one game, Georgiev's the next, Igor's one game, Georgiev's the next. Like, they can't really get into a rhythm. Um, but, yeah, it's just the story of lack of depth. Now we have Jack Johnson, Brendan Smith, and Anthony Potato playing in our top six. We have Colin Blackwell, who also got hurt last night, playing on a, a line with Strom Panarin. Um, Kevin Rooney's getting third line minutes, Brett Howden's like I know injuries kind of screw things up for everybody, but when your top guys aren't producing and then your young guys get hurt like Heedle, that really just highlights the fact of how poorly a guy like Strom has been playing or uh, Zibanejad has been playing to start, uh, start the year. So 
the good thing is Keandre Miller is continuing to impress. Like, legitimate top pair left-hand shot defenseman, 6'5". He skates like the wind. He had a great 2 on shorthand shorthanded against Pittsburgh last night. Uh, I don't know if you saw that, Kev. If not, I'll send you the highlight. Uh, but he said Kevin Rooney for a goal. Truba is back to being a fucking man, man. Like, nice to see that. Um, I'm sure goaltending will improve. I'm sure our young guys, like Kako, has been playing well. It really sucks what happened to Heedle. Um, I'm sure the advantage I will turn around. It's just an aimless, it's kind of like an aimless feeling. Like, you don't know what direction the team is heading, and I think that starts with uh, the coaching staff. So, And random question. Well, I guess it's not random, but with what's going on with you guys and to see New Jersey, I don't want to say flourishing, but playing really well. I mean, are you guys missing Lindy Ruff behind the bench? See, that's the thing. Um, I can tell it. So Jacques Martin replaced Lindy Ruff on our coaching staff to handle the defense. And, and I can see like a noticeable difference in one, the defensive zone structure, but also outside of Brendan Smith, who's a fucking idiot at this point, our guys have stopped leaving their feet in the defensive zone. There's no more snowmen on the ice. It's incredible. It's nice to see, finally. But um, we played the Devils two weeks ago, and we talked about it on a podcast. Lindy Ruff torched Quinn in a coaching matchup. And I know Quinn is a newbie, and Ruff has 20 years' experience. But the Devils aren't as talented as us. Their goaltending technically shouldn't be as good as ours. And they just control the flow of the game. And that's all, all coaching. That's what I mean about seeing a difference in coaching staffs. Like, when we win, it's because our talent takes over. But less talented teams can beat us because of their coaching structure. Right. Um, but, yeah, so you did the whole out of 10 points, your Bruins got nine. Out of 10 points, the Rangers got three. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Great week. All right. Uh, who do you um, have for uh, locks and picks? Locks. So... Uh, pick of the week. I'm gonna go. Uh, um, I'm pulling it up right now. So Vancouver and Montreal tomorrow night, Monday, February first. Uh, Montreal having a good start to the year. You and I aren't surprised by that. Um, Vancouver is kind of finding their way still, but I think that's just this is the type of matchup that's going to be or should be um, like a very good offensive flowing game with these two teams. I think that would be a good game to watch in the Canadian division. And my lock of the week, I know this is a little bit kind of of a cop-out, but I'm going to go Carolina on Tuesday, February 2nd on the road against the Chicago Blackhawks. National TV on that one. All right. I have uh, two games of the week this week. Uh, (laughs) Wednesday, the Bruins are in Philly playing the Philadelphia Flyers. I'm taking the Bruins in that game. We absolutely Ooh. dominated Philly those other two games. So I'm taking the it's Bruins. Because Kevin Hayes is on the team. I mean, uh, I'm not saying anything about that. But uh, <laughs> my other game of the week also involves Vancouver, but it is on Saturday night. Vancouver at Toronto, uh, the one seed versus the three seed. I think this is a big game for Vancouver to show up to. Um, Hockey night in Canada game, all the spotlights there. So I think that's one for them to kind of be on the national level. I mean, especially up north. Uh, there's going to be the whole nation watching. I think that's a big game for them. 
And who do you have for shout-outs this week? Shout-outs this week? Uh, tomorrow is my lovely wife's day of birth, so happy birthday to Big oh. Red. Yeah. Um, happy birthday, Red. It always sneaks up, you guys' birthdays, even though I know it every year. I'm like, oh, that's Kev's birthday. Oh, Red's birthday is this, and it's on a calendar. And then all of a sudden, we recording like, oh, Red's birthday is this week. I'm like, oh, shit, again. Oh, dude, <laughs> it, it flies. I mean, it, it's crazy to think. Um yeah, so happy birthday to her, and I, I guess a big shout-out to all the snow that is going to be falling in the next day or two everywhere. So we will uh, deal with that as it comes. Yes, uh, big snowfall if you're not listening in the Northeast, um, either Sunday night, Monday, or Tuesday, in about upwards of two feet of snow, which is probably going to be a snowstorm of this winter season, hopefully. Um, and everybody's for the most part, if you don't need to go outside, it's not going to impact you much at all. But if you have to go outside, man, does that suck? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, shout outs this week. I'm going to give, and this is very specific to me, but a very big shout out to my pup, Kobe. She got her last of her puppy vaccinations on Friday. The only thing she needs is in a month, she gets her yearly rabies shot but she is now ready to go go for long walks and go to the park and everything else now so i can finally take her out there get her a little bit more exercise as she's now chewing my laptop charging cable um shout first lady yes throw back on that one and also you know i'm gonna give a shout out so my company i'm not my company but the company i work for is nearing Series A funding, so your boy here is going to be a little richer, Whoa. hopefully. And also, I finally, I both the founders are hockey guys. One's Rangers, one's Islanders, and they found out that we do this podcast. And you know, I'm pushing for a little paid sponsorship, my friend. We might get something going here. Oh, I I can ad read the shit out of it. <laughs> and uh, I mean, <laughs> if if A and B also want to get um season tickets to both the Islanders and Rangers, <laughs> I, I could definitely spend more time in New York, so we'll just leave that up to them. Alright, that sounds good. Alright, well everybody, as always, thank you for listening, and um, yeah, I mean, we've already had a bomb dropped on us this week with the Jimmy Rutherford resignation and, I mean, live pushes right across Ben's phone as to the AHL yep. accepting the deal, so Hopefully next week we can expand a little bit more, see what else is going on in the wild, crazy game of hockey. And until then, everybody, stay safe, stay out of the fucking cold because it's been brutal, and we will catch all you guys next week. Hair go long like Chia, money go long like Nia, I ain't in the big idea, my twin's big like Tia, my twin's big like Tia Tamara, why Tia Tamara, why Tia Tamara, why Very much bent the whole world over and says thank you very much.